Nation! Let's talk hockey. Welcome to the Gackle Report brought to you by the Bay Area News Group. I am your host, Paul Gackle, coming to you from the desert in Glendale, Arizona. And the Sharks are looking to get your Thanksgiving weekend started with a win over the lowly Arizona Coyotes tonight. They, of course, are the first team in NHL history that didn't manage to pick up a regulation win in their first 20 games. Nevertheless, they enter tonight's game with the Sharks riding a three-game winning streak. Three wins in Canada over the Montreal Canadiens, the Ottawa Senators, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I also want to talk a little bit today about Danny O'Regan's recall. The shakeup on the power play. And if we have time, perhaps the emergence of the Tomas Hurdle, Logan Couture, and Jonas Donskoy line. But first, let's talk about Brent Burns. And I'm just going to come out and address this because the question came up at practice on Monday. And it's a topic that's starting to make its way around the Twitterverse as well. Last week, I wrote an article about whether the Sharks have an internal solution to closing the revolving door on their top line. Pete DeBoer skated eight different forwards on Thornton, Joe Thornton, and Joe Pavelski's left wing last season. We saw four different left wings on that line Saturday. And Kevin LeBanc and Timo Meyer both took turns there Monday night. Timo Meyer, I actually thought was pretty good. I thought that's some of the best hockey we've seen out of Timo Meyer this season. At this point, it's pretty clear that no one's going to step up and grab the bull by the horns, though. I don't know if this is this Timo Meyer performance late in that game. I wouldn't say that's permanent based on everything I've seen over the last couple years. Jonas Donskoy moved to Logan Couture's line on Monday, and I'd argue that that's where he should stay. That looks like a legitimate top six forward line in the NHL. A complete forward line. And I don't know that we've been able to say that about the Sharks' top six forward group this year. Couture and Donskoy, they have that chemistry dating back to 2016. They play so well together. They're both puck hounds. And now you throw Tomas Hurdle into that mix... A big power forward, good on the wall, strong along the, strong around the net. I think they found something there, but I'm digressing a little bit here. Without a clear-cut answer to the top-line problem, you start to think, do we have to go outside the organization to find the missing piece to this puzzle? I pointed out that the two big names being thrown around out there right now Evander Kane of the Buffalo Sabres and Jason Spezza of the Dallas Stars. Neither of these guys really ideal fits for the San Jose Sharks. Kane is intriguing. I'll admit that much. I think I said on Friday he's top five, top six in goals since December 1st of last season. He can definitely put the puck in the net. He's fast. He's strong on the puck. On paper, I like that fit for Joe Thornton and Joe Pavelski. The problem, of course, 
is that this game isn't played on paper. And let's not forget what happened in Winnipeg with Evander Kane. The Sharks put a premium on character. And when you consider that DeBoer is really close to Jets head coach Paul Maurice, that's the guy who gave him his first coaching job, it's hard to imagine that he doesn't know a whole lot more about what went on with that situation with Evander Kane in Winnipeg. You'll remember Dustin Bufflin throwing his track track suit in the ice bath after he was late to a team practice. I'm telling you guys, something like that doesn't just happen when a guy's late to a team meeting. Sorry, team meeting. When a guy's late to a team meeting just once. That's a whole lot of resentment when the tracksuit goes into the shower or the ice bath or whatever it was. There's a feeling he wasn't a great teammate there in Winnipeg. So it's hard to imagine that Paul Maurice does not doesn't know a whole lot more about that situation than we know here on the couch or in the media scrum. I will say, though, if there's a group that Kane could come into, maybe it is the Sharks. You know, maybe that culture so established in San Jose with Joe Thornton, Joe Pavelski, and the likes that maybe it's a little bit more like Phil Kessel joining the Pittsburgh Penguins. Maybe there's a little more maturity from Evander Kane. (coughs) Sorry. But he sure didn't help himself with getting into some off-ice trouble in Buffalo as well. Jason Spezza, I'll make this quick. He's 34, and he's going to carry a $7.5 million cap hit next year. Not what the Sharks are looking for. Right now, another forward in his mid-30s. And when you have the cap space, they have the cap space now. That's one of the byproducts of Marlowe's departure to Toronto. That's not what you want to spend it on. So all of this leads us back to Brent Burns. And that's what I'm hearing. The Sharks have an internal solution to this problem. His name is Brent Burns. On the surface, I can see where this is coming from. The Sharks rank 29th in goals per game. They're dead last in five-on-five goals. And they have this revolving door problem on the Thornton line. Burns, meanwhile, has no goals. That's right. No goals in 18 games. And he was a dynamic forward in 2013-14. A power forward a guy who creates chaos in the offensive zone. Not a whole lot of chaos in there for the San Jose Sharks right now. There's a lot of predictability. When you throw Brent Burns at forward, all of a sudden things are all out of whack. And I remember talking to Ben Lovejoy when he was with the Anaheim Ducks, and he said that Brent Burns was terrifying to play against in that type of situation because you didn't know what he was going to do. Uh, sorry let me pause this so I can grab a drink of water I'm back so I can see why you can look at this and go this is a match made in heaven this is exactly what the San Jose Sharks need right now (coughs) what's more 
The Sharks actually have the blue line depth right now to pull this off. With Dylan DeMello sitting in the press box, Paul Martin presumably going to be back at some point. Tim Heed is an offensive fire starter back there. Like Burns, he has a rocket from the right side. And like Burns, he has eight points on the season. Tim Heed with as many points as Brent Burns right now. The Sharks didn't have that last year, which perhaps would make this move a little easier. But I'm going to be the first to tell you this. You will not see Brent Burns at forward this season, next season, or the year after that, as long as Doug Wilson is leading the charge. Uh Uh-oh, I just set off a firestorm there. As long as Doug Wilson is in the general manager's office, I just do not see this happening. And here's why. (coughs) This is a Band-Aid solution to a larger problem. The larger problem is that this team has been a perennial Stanley Cup contender for over a decade. And the offensive core that has led them throughout this stretch of time, is aging. Joe Thornton is 38, coming off major knee surgery. Joe Pavelski is 33, and not the fastest skater in the game right now, in a game that's predicated on speed. And Patrick Marlowe is up in Toronto. Now you could talk about the drafting, yada, 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 blah. Look, I'm not completely dismissing this. And you can go in year by year and make some honest critiques. But other than the Detroit Red Wings last decade, I haven't seen an NHL team go from being a cup contender, lose its core, and then continue to be a cup contender. The Red Wings are the only team I've seen do that. So are we really sitting here blasting the Sharks and Doug Wilson for not being the Red Wings of the last decade? I personally think you guys are a little bit spoiled here in San Jose. You heard Craig Custance of The Athletic come on here a couple weeks ago and, well, he was a little bit, he had a little bit more tact in what the way he put it. But I'm going to say, I think you guys are a little spoiled here in San Jose. Even with all the scoring problems that the Sharks have had this season, they're still right in the thick of things in the Pacific. Look across the street here. How would you like to be the Arizona Coyotes sitting at five wins? And they draft in the top ten every year. The Buffalo Sabres last in the East. They draft in the top ten every year. The Florida Panthers, same story. Jeepers, creepers, look at the Edmonton Oilers. Aren't you glad you aren't the Oilers right now? I'm having a tough time making it through this one, guys, but... Oh, should I mention the Montreal Canadiens too, the Habs? They traded away P.K. Subban for Shea Weber. My point is, it can always be worse, and the grass is always greener when you're looking over at the Detroit Red Wings. Anyways, 
That's the larger problem. And the Sharks have trade assets right now. They have cap space right now. Let's see what they do with all that. But the solution isn't to take the Ramey Norris Trophy winner off the blue line after just 19 games. And then who knows where that whole thing goes. Maybe it's a short-term fix. Maybe not. It's an easy thing to do when you're, you're at home you know, with your notebook. Drawing up lines. But at this moment in time, yes, they do have some depth back there. Conceivably, you could do that right now. But what are you doing to this guy's head if you're moving him back and forth, back and forth? Bob Bugner had finally had him convinced that, yes, Brent Burns, you are an NHL defenseman. And yes, Brent Burns, you can be a force as an NHL defenseman. He gave him that confidence. And Burns thrived under it. Now Bugner's gone and we're just going to pull him off the blue line and say, you know what? We don't know about that anymore. Can't be messing with this guy's head like that. You saw how long it took him to reacclimate himself to the blue line. You can't afford to go through that again. And I know you're not seeing it right now. But he just has way more value back there. They're really just aren't that many guys in the National Hockey League who can generate that type of offense, who can be the focal point of an opponent's defense from the back end like that. Eric Carlson, Drew Doughty, P.K. Subban, you know, maybe uh, Bufflin, I'm probably forgetting somebody, but it's a small number of guys. And yes, I like the Sharks' blue line depth, And yes, I like Tim Heed, but let's not compare Tim Heed to a Norris Trophy winner just yet. He hasn't logged 28 minutes a night in the NHL like Burns has. You take Burns off that pairing, you have Vlasic and Justin Braun as a top shutdown pairing, and a bunch of guys who haven't proved that they're more than third pairing guys at the NHL level yet. And I'm not saying that Joachim Ryan and Tim Heed are just third-pairing guys. I'm just saying we haven't seen it. That's a drastic move to make when we haven't seen it yet. Burns really is a rare breed. He's a Team Canada defenseman, folks. Team Canada chose him for their blue line at the 2016 World Cup. But the Sharks don't want him back there? Ridiculous. I know, I know, no goals, eight points, minus seven. But isn't a lot of that a product of what's going on with the team as a whole? First off, he's 0 for 82 on the year, shot-wise. You'd think that one of those pucks would bounce in. Over the last 48 games, dating back to last year and the playoffs, Goalies have a 9-9-9 save percentage against him. I got that stat from Ross McEwen. Thank you, Ross. That can't last forever. But it's also a product of the problem at forward. Logan Couture talked about this last week after the Sharks lost to the Panthers when asked about the Sharks' 30th ranked shooting percentage. Here's what Logan said, quote, Because our shots are coming from so far away, 
we're not really getting many chances in the slot where we should be. The shot volume's always good, but you want to have shots from dangerous areas. Burns, those shots are coming from 50 feet out. And the way to help him out is the Sharks have to be more dangerous up front. So it's sort of like a chicken and the egg problem. You move Burns up front, they're more dangerous up front. Now you don't have a shot back there on the point to capitalize on that. That's why I think you need to go out and find somebody. I don't know. I've, I've told you. I've looked at it. There is no easy solution to this problem. But I don't think the Burns move is the right way to go. It's easy to look at the problem in front of you and see Burns as an obvious fix. But teams can't live minute to minute like that. You do need to stay patient. And in the big picture, he's just a more valuable asset on the blue line. He just is. Let's get back to that revolving door on the top line, though. I offered a suggestion in training camp that is looking more and more intriguing by the minute. I said, hey, why not Danny O'Regan? The Sharks always talk about slotting a forechecking, strong around the net, puck hunting type with the Joes, Alan Melker Carlson, Tomas Hurdle. It's kind of what they thought Yannick Hansen would be. Uh, how's that working out? My thinking here was let's pair up that high-end skill with more high-end skill and see what happens. What if Joe and Joe had someone a little shiftier who can pass, who thinks the games, and hey, knows how to bury a few pucks too. Sort of a modern NHL player. I hear a lot about Joe Thornton getting old, Joe Thornton getting slow, and I always wonder, would he look that way if he was playing with Johnny Goodrow or Mitch Marner? Not saying that O'Regan is either of those guys, so don't take that out of context. But he has been holding his own as a fourth-line center. Surprisingly enough, I don't know that that's the best fit for his skill set. Not sure that guys like Joel Ward and Yannick Hansen and Mikkel Bodker necessarily accentuate his skill set. But I can see him as a wing on a higher line. He was Jack Eichel's wing in college at BU. And yesterday in practice, he was on the wing on the third line. I still think Ryan Carpenter can hold down that fourth line center position. He might get another crack at it tonight. If O'Regan moves to the wing and that revolving door continues to spin on the top line, it isn't inconceivable that he could get a look up there at the Joes at some point. And that could be interesting. That's all I'm saying. Two points in two games here with the Sharks after being a point-per-game player in college and a point-per-game player in the AHL with the Barracuda. And I'm not saying he's an 80-point guy in the NHL, but he does have skill and he can produce. He set up Timo Meyer with a beautiful feed at the side of the net Saturday. And he made a shifty move on the power play Monday that set up Jonas Donskoy's game-tying goal off the rebound. You can see how he can create space for himself. You saw that on that play. Speaking of the power play. All right. Okay. You're going to get it from me here. I was definitely wrong on this one. I said you've got to let those guys work it out. 
It's on them. It's on the players. How do you pull out the best passer in the game, Joe Thornton? The best shot-producing defenseman in the game, Brett Burns? The best shot deflector in the game, Joe Pavelski? Your best all-around player, Logan Couture. How do you pull one of those guys off the unit? Well, DeBoer did it like this. He split up the group entirely. You had Thornton, Pavelski on one group, Logan and Burns on the other one, and hats off to him. It's working. We saw them score a goal the other night, produce five shots on their first power play. Now they have something. I haven't really seen them have two dangerous units before. It's always been top-heavy but they've been sending out two units that can do something. And that's interesting. Logan Couture says it's a mindset thing. Something like that happens, all of a sudden everybody is a little bit hungrier. They're working a little bit harder. They're playing with a little bit more urgency. You see them moving the puck around more. That was part of the problem with that old group is that, God, they didn't move the puck around. So in the short term, it's working a shake-up. Hats off to Pete DeBoer on that one. And maybe to you, Gackle Nation. I don't know where you stood on that. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see eventually a return to that top unit if this thing goes sour at some point. If this thing dries up, that's when you go back to the Fab Four and see if they can get it going again. But in the short term, just a little short flash... It's because the power play, we've seen the power play look maybe since 15-16. So we'll see if that continues tonight here in the desert. That's all the time I have here today on the Gackle Report. Time to get out there and get to the morning skate, folks. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Safe travels today. I hope you're listening to this. You're flying out to see family. Maybe you're going for a drive somewhere. Glad this is out there for you. Thanks for sharing your Thanksgiving Wednesday with me. Enjoy the turkey tomorrow. Go Vikings! And we'll catch up with you next week, probably from the East Coast. The way things are looking, to tell you the truth. Might be a Sunday podcast with a Monday publishing date. We'll see how that one goes. But on that note, folks, big game tonight, Vegas on Friday, and I'm out.